Muses, lovers, and advisors, the Torador have whispered in the ears of mortal rulers for hundreds of generations, guiding and promoting the growth of art, culture, and architecture. They, more than many other kindred, embrace their fading humanity, mingling with the kind at galleries, fundraisers, and exclusive parties. There are many legends as to who founded the Torador. A common held belief is that her name was Ishtar, and that she was born in Ubar, the first city, ruled by Cain. Ishtar, or Arikel, was a gifted sculptor, and her twin brother was a great poet and philosopher. His name is lost in history, but he is believed to have been the founder of the clan of Malkav. It is also said that she and Absimiliard, the founder of the Nosferatu, were once lovers, sharing their blood with each other, but that this affair turned sordid after his dreadful curse. After the fall of the second city and Cain's banishment of his grandchild, Ishtar journeyed to Sumer. And by the way, if Ishtar sounds familiar, that is no coincidence. She was one of the most worshipped gods of ancient Sumerians, and she might have also served as inspiration for the Greek goddess Aphrodite. A testament, then, to what was to come, for surely no vampire not fond of humanity could earn themselves the epithet goddess of love. Her time in Sumer is veiled in myth, and it is said that she was involved with both Gilgamesh and Sargon of Akkad. After the lover she had embraced was murdered by her fellow antediluvian Enoya, or Enkidu, who had been hunting her, she left for Crete. It is said that Ishtar was a famed bull dancer, and she taught this art to the people of Crete while staying there, embracing more childer, and helping their civilization flourish. There, King Minos begged Ishtar for eternal life, but having seen firsthand the misery of kindred ruling over the kind, she refused him. But when he threatened to cast her out of Crete, she offered to embrace his son instead. Minos agreed, but his son soon fell to the beast and lost his mind, becoming the origin of the myth of the Minotaur. Before Minos could apologize for his foolishness, Ishtar had left Crete and journeyed to Mycenae in Greece, where she was last recorded to have been seen. Interestingly, another version of the story says that Minos too was embraced, but that he was later diabolized by one of his own children, Helena, a powerful Methuselah active even to this day. Mycenae and Athens remained a stronghold for the Toreador for a long time. Greece, in general, with a rich culture, must have been a paradise for them. It is said that Ishtar attempted to build a third city in Greece, possibly out of Athens, but the Peloponnesian War, instigated by the La Sombra and the Ventru, strangled that ambition in the cradle. It is unclear how involved the Toreador were in the Punic Wars. Some sources claim that they were allied with the Ventru and Malkavians of Rome, others that they sought Golconda together with the Bruja of Carthage. Some say it is foolish to assume that a vampiric clan would ever act as one. It is even speculated that Carthage fell due to one traitorous Toreador revealing its secrets. Regardless, Carthage fell, and the Toreador focused their attention to the artists and artisans of the Roman Republic. It is perhaps thanks to the Toreador that the Romans so deeply embraced the style of the Greeks before them. Kindred rarely have the power to control an entire civilization, but nudging them and encouraging certain decisions is well within the realm of possibility. However, with the slow but inevitable rise of Christianity in Rome, and the true faith that came with it and directed against them, many kindred of Rome began to look for new havens. They found it in Byzantium, despite it being Christian as well. These were not the fanatics who burned Rome, however, but the rulers and the elite, people who valued many things besides, perhaps even more than, their faith. Ever mindful of the du jour of the kind, the Torador were quick to ingratiate themselves to this new faith in order to blend in, and Torador influence in the Christian church was established. And considering how much of Rome's culture and art has been preserved thanks to the church, this was perhaps not that surprising. 
As Rome was the Ventrus city, first and foremost, its decline only strengthened Byzantium and in turn the Torador. They were so ingrained into the Byzantine society that they became reflections of each other. The more corrupt, complex and intriguing the Torador became, so too did the cities. Some vampiric scholars believe that this came to permanently change the Jihad, the eternal struggle between the elders of the kindred, turning it into the political game of chess that it is today. The Byzantine Empire came to be influenced by other clans, however. The Bruja also had a gift for politicking and gained a foothold in Constantinople. And that, coupled with the diabolization of Michael, one of the three undead rulers of Constantinople at the time, began the slow but inevitable fall of the Byzantine Empire. These three, and the dream they inspired, I might do a video about in the future, as they are a cornerstone of kindred lore. As Rome fell, Byzantium stood nearly a thousand years before the Turks took it. But the Ventru were not beaten, and they journeyed west, and together with the La Sombra, sought to make a new empire out of the Franks. The Torador, of course, were there as well, offering Greek and Roman scholarship in return for a place in this new order. And as Christianity spread, some Torador even argued that they were responsible for it taking root in Scandinavia, replacing the previous faith, and tempting the Vikings with the church's great wealth of art, music, and architecture. The Torador were not satisfied simply with Christianity, however. Their hunger for art, culture, and creativity knew no bounds, and they traveled east and south, establishing themselves both amongst the budding Muslim cultures as well as further down on the African continent. Of note is Songbo Zerido, an enclosed civilization founded over 1200 years ago and hidden from the outside world well into the 20th century. A place in Nigeria where art and culture flourished and the Torador took an active part in its rule. Even after the original visitors had left, the clan's bloodline remained with those locally embraced. As for the Far East, despite their fascination with these cultures, few Torador dared venture into the lands of the Kuei-jin, and of those who did, even less ever returned. In fact, barely any clans managed to establish a foothold there beyond where the imperialistic kind settled. The local undead wouldn't stand for it. The Toreador, unfortunately, bear the burden of being the ones who engineered the original Inquisition, although this is known by very few. It quickly outgrew the influence of its creator, causing untold destruction amongst the kindred of Europe. In its wake, the Ventru had left France for England, but the Toreador took over after them, all the while helping stoke the fires of the Italian Renaissance, a surprising but welcome side effect of the rampage of the Inquisition. And somewhere around there, the Camarilla was founded as well. And while the Camarilla itself was possibly a Ventru brainchild, it was the Toreador who urged the implementation of the first tradition, the Masquerade. The evidence speaks for itself of the success of that tradition, and to this day, the Toreador are considered the heart of the Camarilla, a title they've earned again and again during the centuries since its founding. With the Renaissance came exploration, colonization, then exploitation. The Torador hold as much guilt as any of the other high clans during this time. You would find Torador on both sides of the slave trade, on both sides of the genocides of native populations, and both sides of civil wars. The French Revolution and the Napoleonic era was a massive blow to the aristocratic Torador, who lost a large part of their influence in France, but as history shows it didn't take them long to recover. Some argue that this was the last great time for the Torador, as the modern age has seen them become less concerned with worldly politics and more with art itself. But those who say that clearly do not understand the Clan of the Rose. For them, power has always been a means to an end. And the 20th century saw a complete revolution in the artistic world, and for the Torador there has never been such a smorgasbord to choose from. Cinema, 
radio, television, all offer endless variations in content, and the internet is a near limitless font of new artists and their creations. And starting at the early 20th century, the very definition of what art truly is came under fire, sparking great debates throughout this ancient clan. Changes in trends and fashions happen so fast now that many elder vampires can barely hold on, but that makes it all the more exciting. For the clan who embraced their humanity, never before has it been so easy to get lost in the lives of the chaotic and unpredictable kind. In my next video, we'll look more deeply into the internal culture of the Torador, what makes them stand out, and some of the major actors of the Clan of the Rose. So until then, thank you for watching, and be safe out there. For Gehenna may soon be upon us.